It's time for the In Off the Bench podcast. I am Daniel Ball, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, my partners in crime, my brothers from other mothers, Jim Cross, Randy Jowers, and guys, tonight's episode 17 titled Thunder and Lightning, because tonight we got on University of Tennessee baseball stars Evan Russell and Sean Hunley. They're going to recap the magical season that University of Tennessee had, and they're going to talk about what's next. you got the draft coming up very soon, so... I'm excited to get into it, excited to get their stories. So guys, help me welcome onto the show with the biggest interview on podcasting this week, University of Tennessee baseball stars, Evan Russell and Sean Hunley. All right, gentlemen, Sean, Evan, how are we doing tonight? Great, man. How are you? Good. Hey, guys, I'm good, man. We're blessed. We're lucky to have you guys. I know it's uh, it's going to be a busy week uh, for you guys and, you know, probably a lot of excitement going on. But uh, the biggest thing is we want to tell your story. We want to tell it the right way. Um, and like we do with every guest, we need some, some backstory before we get into all the magic that was the season this year and what, you know, what magic might be in store for the future for you guys. So. You know, Evan, you know, talk to me a little bit, you know, about where you're from, where you grew up, uh, family life. Give me, a, give me a little bit about that. So, like you said, uh, my name is Evan Russell. Uh, I come from a small town in Lexington, Tennessee. Um, you know, I, I come from a pretty close family. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty close to my mom and my dad, but I have an older brother and older sister. And uh, we're pretty tight when it comes to um, – uh, how family oriented that we are um, you know as you can tell I have kind of southern in my accent and uh, I enjoy hunting and fishing and uh, anything a good old country boy likes to do but um yeah man I come from kind of a small town and you know coming into Knoxville it was kind of a kind of a big adjustment uh, getting into the big city but uh, I, I've enjoyed getting to be in Knoxville and being around Tennessee and um, it's been a, been a pleasure and hopefully that, uh, I get to stay around for a little longer. Yeah. So I, I gotta ask, man, you, you're the, you're the youngest. Yeah, yeah. I'm the, uh, I'm the youngest of my family. Um, my brother, he's 26 and my sister's 24. So, so, so did, did you get picked on? Did you get beat up a little bit? Did you have a some tough love growing up? Yeah. So listen to this. My, my dad's actually five foot five. Uh, my mom's five four. My brother is five foot six, and my sister's five two. And I come in at five eleven. So I, I was actually, uh, you know, big enough to hold my own compared to my family. So, yeah, I mean that's that's typically what happens. The the baby ends up growing up, and they they figure out, you know, you know, it might be trial and error, but you figure out how to how to take them down, take advantage of the the older, supposedly wiser brother and sister, but. Man, tell me what was it like growing up with sports and athletics? Were you strictly a baseball guy, or did you try to dabble in a little bit of everything? So I grew up playing baseball, basketball, and football. 
And uh, in high school, I was more of a football guy. Uh, I think my love started uh, headed towards football area, but I figured out that I wasn't big enough or I wasn't fast enough to continue my career in football. And so I definitely didn't play at a big enough school for anyone to see me there. So, um, but I, I've always loved baseball. Um, you know, I've always felt like I've been competitive and, you know, enjoyed uh, competing against the best. And um, coming into Tennessee, uh, I feel like my talent level wasn't um, where it needed to be. But, you know, growing up playing sports and competing in all sports, not just baseball, kind of helped me uh, be able to compete at, at an early early stage when you when you decided that you're going to concentrate strictly on baseball was there a little bit of something that was lost not playing the other sports or did you feel some relief that you could strictly focus on one one sport only well it sucks in baseball that you know the the more you want to do well uh the the worse you probably are um you know in football if you really want to hit someone hard you you can just go and hit them you know uh, it's it's just a different style of, of how you compete and how you go about your business. So, you know, making the adjustment, in, especially into college, whenever, you know, a guy's throwing 95 on the mound and, and you want to hit it hard, it, the secret is not to grip the bat and swing harder, you know. But in football, if you want to hit someone hard, it would be to run harder, you know, lower your shoulder and, you know, let out some grunts. But, you know, in baseball, yeah, I had to learn to, you know, put my efforts into – you know, having a smooth swing and competing uh, within my boundaries and, you know, staying within myself. And, and that's where I found my success. But, you know, it's completely opposite uh, coming from a football guy. It's it, it was a transition for sure. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a little bit of grace that you got to have coming from the gridiron onto the diamond, because like you said, you know, harder, faster and, and you know, headstrong doesn't always mean equal success in baseball. But Growing up, who was your favorite athlete? Was it a, was it a baseball player or was it more football? So, I mean, with with this fight coming up, I, I've been a Conor McGregor fan, you know, since he's he's kind of surfaced, you know, 2013 and early, or early 2010s. So, you know, I've I've kind of been a Conor McGregor fan. I followed him, and uh, I feel like I feel like I could, you know, learn a lot from him with. Uh, uh, the way he tries to get into people's heads and, you know, his mentality and stuff. And also he's a phenomenal athlete. So, you know, I, I enjoy watching him. All right. So, so growing up, you're a Conor McGregor guy. Can you, can you get, get the strut? No, oh, the strut, man. Yeah. That, that's, uh, you know, I, I would like to have done the strut after a home run, but I've seen it done. You know, I want to be original. I don't want to, I feel like I'm copying someone. So I couldn't do the strut, even though it was a dream to do it on TV. Maybe I would have gotten a shout out from him. I don't know. But uh, yeah, that's my favorite guy, you know, and uh, hopefully he wins this Saturday. Hey, I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm rooting for him as well. So high school, Lex, is it Lexington High or a different school in Lexington? So I went to Scotts Hill High School. Uh, it's about 10 minutes away from Lexington, the city of like, or the town of Lexington. Um, I wouldn't really call it a city, but. You know, um, I'm kind of mad at Lexington right now. Uh, I went home for the weekend. I was driving through. First time I drove through Lexington, I got a ticket. You know, the guy couldn't help, help, let me out, help me out a little bit. You know, I'm kind of kind of upset with Lexington, but I'll let this one slide. I mean, I would have pulled up that YouTube video at Vandy. 
Say, hey, man. Dude, I, I was I was hoping he would like look at my license and be like, "Hey, I might know you," but no, dude did not care. He was a did Vandy not. fan. Had to have been. Had to have been a Vandy fan. All right, so talk me through high school, your high school career in baseball. You know, just you know, just a quick summary. What was your best season? My best season was my junior season. Um, you know, going into it, uh, every high school player, no matter what you ask them, their number one goal is to get seen by college players and to get scholarships. It's not really to win, uh, win games. So uh, going into it, you know, I was – no matter what they say, it's not to win games, it's to get a college scholarship. But going into it, you know, I hadn't had any any colleges looking at me. I was kind of frustrated because uh, all my summer teams, all my teammates had pretty much gotten offers at the time. Uh, so I was frustrated. But going into it, um, I, I was kind of pressing a little bit. But uh, we got to playoffs, and our team was fifth in the district, fifth out of seven teams in the district. So we were not very good, um, you know. But I was a I was a two way at the time. I also pitched, and uh, we started playing decently well at postseason. Well, we got out of district somehow, and then we ended up going to sub state and regionals. You know, we win those, and we get to the uh, state tournament. And uh, we're just a nobody uh, going into um, this state tournament. And no, everyone wants to play us, basically. We're that team. And, you know, I'm batting three-hole. Um, I'm mainly our top guy on the mound. And uh, we were going into our, our opening game was against Ryan Weathers from Loretto, who is now pitching for the Padres against Cody Bellinger and, you know, all these big-time arms or big-time bats. And he's doing well. So, at the time, he's a he's a Vandy commit, and you know everyone is expecting them to roll us. Well, somehow uh, we ended up beating him, and you know we beat him. And I actually hit a home run off of him in high school, and that's really what started my uh, recruiting process. Is because a team actually watched me. Or uh, Team Tennessee actually watched me hit a home run off of him in the state tournament. Well, we end up winning the state championship. And, you know, we have – I was the only D1 commit, uh, not at the time, but eventually, you know, after everything all is said and done, I was the only one to sign at a D1 school. And uh, we went – or I went on to play for a, a team called Team Tennessee uh, that had all the best high school players around uh, come play. And we played in a tournament. Well, at the time, I still had no zero offers. Um, you know, I ended up getting player of the year that year um, or my junior year after the season. So I had a pretty decent season. I batted around 400 with uh, five bombs, and I had a pretty good year on the mound. But um, I hadn't – I didn't have an offer at the time. I had actually schools looking at me as a pitcher um, because I threw decently hard off the mound, but nothing crazy. And – uh, I went on to Team Tennessee, and from there, I, I had a pretty good tournament. I ended up winning the MVP of the whole tournament, and I was actually the only one on the team out of 20 guys that was not committed, and everyone on there was committed to D1. 13 guys were committed to SEC, and I was the only one not committed. So I ended up getting an offer from uh, Tennessee after that tournament, and I took it. And, you know, basically that was – my story of getting to Tennessee. So without Ryan Weathers, um, obviously he's doing much better than me now, but 
without him uh, making a mistake, uh, I don't know if I would be where I am. What a, what a shocker. His story starts with a bomb because that's all he does, right? <laughs> and, and he was he was a pitcher. He's getting looked at as a pitcher. Yeah, I was I was getting I was getting looked at by mid-major schools as a PO. And I was like, dude, I, I'm not a pitcher. I'm a hitter, but whatever. Well, good thing you proved everybody wrong. So <laughs> you know, I hear a lot of humility coming from you because you just, you know, you, you glanced over the fact that you're going to a D1 school and you kept saying, well, everybody else had signed before me, but like you didn't mention the fact that you're the first student athlete from Scottsdale High to go to a Division One college. That's a big, yeah. that's a big deal, man. Yeah, no, it was, it's pretty cool because, um, I mean, I, I, there were some decent athletes, but it, it's from a school that, you know, not not much of success has came from that school in, in athletics. Um, so it, it was pretty cool to to be able to go back and see um, see young kids and young athletes kind of look up to me and kind of want to want to follow my footsteps. So I feel like, you know, I've kind of left um, something behind. And, you know, I, I just uh, I don't want to talk too much about myself, but um, you left that you speeding know, I, ticket behind, Evan. Yeah, yeah I left the, I left the speeding ticket behind, you know. Yeah, uh, I, I still had to pay that the other day. It was kind of, kind of tough coming out of pre diem. But um, <laughs> yeah, they uh, they ended up retiring my jersey. Um, so yeah, that's pretty cool. All right. So last question, man. Like, why why Tennessee? Because I mean, when when you look at the the scope of the past, you know, few years with Tennessee, I mean, progressively gotten better each year big time name, you know, obviously a trip to Omaha this past season. And like, I'm sure there were other schools that, that you could have went to. Why was it Tennessee? Man, uh, growing up, my dad, I mean, my dad has definitely improved his orange, his orange attire since I've been in uh, college, but growing up, he was the biggest Tennessee fan. Um, him and my, my sister were, were both massive Tennessee fans. And, you know, well, I was also a Tennessee fan, too, but I also enjoyed just watching other schools. And but growing up, whenever it got to recruiting process, um, playing for my home state and playing for uh, Tennessee, uh, I, I really couldn't have thought of anything else. And, you know, seeing a program that was basically uh, at, at the bottom of the barrel, uh, especially in the conference, um, seeing that and seeing the opportunity to come in and, and help be a part of um a group to turn it around you know i, I thought it was cool and uh, i thought it was a, a kind of a way to uh, represent a state and and give the state some pride and you know that that's kind of what happened absolutely so sean you awake man just want to make make yeah. sure all right man want to make sure we get you in the conversation too so you know a, a lot of the same i Backstory, where are you from, and family dynamics. Like, what, what was it like growing up? Yeah, so I'm from Mountain Juliet, Tennessee, which is about 20 minutes outside of Nashville. Um, come from a family of five, and I'm the oldest of three siblings. Um, but, yeah, my family's surrounded um, by baseball ever since I was born. Um, my dad played uh, baseball. He was a pitcher at Tennessee Tech, which is in Cookville. Um and uh, actually, my brother is committed to play t at Tennessee, too, and he'll be here in 
in two years. So I've kind of been surrounded by baseball my whole life. So was, was baseball your only sport growing up? It wasn't. I played um, basketball. And then, you know, as soon as high school came around, I realized that I was fat. So I had to uh, give that up. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah, I wasn't running up and down the court as, as good as other people. So I figured, you know what, I'm just going to stick to baseball. Man, and, all, these, uh, all these baseball guys <laughs> think they got a shot. Like, I mean, they think they're – I bet Sean can dunk, though. Sean, can you dunk? You, you know what? That's funny you asked me that because uh, I couldn't up until probably six was, months ago, probably, was, something like that. Fat. Hold up. We're, I, I, real quick, yeah. we're not to get too off subject, but we had another Tennessee pitcher on this podcast that said he was the best basketball player on the team. I'm just saying. It was cheese. He said oh, he, had a, he, he, said he, he was give y'all work. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't even think I've seen him play, but <laughs> I'm sure he yeah. didn't say that. Well, his brother, his brother disputed that and said he sat on the end of the bench in the middle school. So that that was the end of that conversation. <laughs> but yeah, I, I gave that up. I gave that up right in high school started, and then I just went straight to baseball from there. But I, I played baseball from high school on. That was the only sport that I played. All right. So with that, do you, you know, obviously there's a couple schools of thought like if you play multiple sports like Evan did like you get kind of this well-rounded athleticism but it seems like you really stopped early and focused on one sport alone you feel like not doing other sports held you back in any way or you feel like being able to stick to that one sport for a while really helped on your skill yeah I kind of think going just you know playing baseball only in high school kind of helps you mature, you know, and get better in one area of the game, you know, and not kind of worry about, you know, other sports. Um, because when I was a freshman, I was not a good athlete by any means. Um, and it, I kind of had to, you know, to kind of grind to get to where I was my senior year just to be able to get looked at by college, by colleges. So I think, you know, going from, you know, playing two sports, where, whereas, you know, college coaches now look at, you know, players that play multiple sports, sports because they want athletes. Um, but I think it kind of helped me in a way just, just to, you know, kind of hone in on, on baseball and get better at it. Gotcha. So in high school, what, tell me about high school times, your seasons, what school, was it a big school, was it a small school? Yeah, mine's, mine's kind of the opposite of Evans. Um, we had, it's actually kind of crazy because we actually weren't good but we had about five or six SEC commits when I was there. Um, when I was playing like my junior and senior year, we had two Vanderbilt pitchers. We had a, an Alabama catcher um, and we had an Arkansas left-handed pitcher. So we, we were um, good on, very good on paper. Um, but we just, we weren't good on the field, I guess. What, but um, What was the problem? Like I, you, I picture that as, Holy shit! Like this team is gonna be dynamite. Like, what? Yeah, you would you would think, but I think we would throw literally like one hitters, and like they would score on a on an error, and we would lose one nothing. It was that kind of kind of situation. So I guess you could say we just couldn't hit. So your your best season, um, what? Freshman, junior, sophomore, senior? What season? Yeah, it had to, it's got to be my senior year. Um, like I said, I was, I was not a good athlete at all. So I, I played third base, first base DH. And then my senior year, they were like, you know what, this guy just, you know, he's just a pitcher. We're just going to make him, make him pitch only. So they took my bat from my hands, unfortunately. 
Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I thought I was a pretty good hitter, but, you know, whatever. Actually, my last AB of my high school career was a, just a galactic piss missile um, that went about 380. Look, look um, Sean, when, when, you, when you focus on that one hit, that, that means you're not a good hitter. <laughs> hey, I like that he called it a piss missile. He's good with me. Galactic is what he said. <laughs> yeah. When you gotta when you gotta create words to to describe that one hit. Come on, man. Hey, Evan Evan's seen the video. <laughs> Evan's seen the video. Spoken like a true pitcher. Like, hey, remember that one time I got it on film? I shared it to everybody. Evan saw it. Evan's cousin right. saw it. Everybody's seen it. <laughs> oh, they saw it. Trust me. No, 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 Sean. I, I kid with you, man. Um, but why? You know, say, same thing, man. Why Tennessee? Like to me, it seems like all if Tennessee and the SEC schools an option. I'm sure there are plenty of other options out there for you. So, what was it about UT that that drew you in? Yeah, I didn't have, you know hardly any offers only had a couple but they weren't big time schools um but I grew up um a Tennessee fan so I would go to you know Tennessee football games as a kid my whole family's Tennessee Tennessee fans and um you know I was fortunate enough to play with the Royals and Mets scout team and I came and threw here uh at the field here in Knoxville and they saw me and they kind of called they called me a couple days after and immediately I was like, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Because, um, you know, at that time they weren't good. Um, so I was like, you know, maybe I got a shot here. Maybe I can, you know, pitch some innings, you know, at Tennessee. So that was a no-brainer for me. You know, I, I love it. I'm, so obviously I'm a, I'm a big Tennessee fan. I don't, I don't hide from that even when we have the guys from the other teams on. But, you know, it just you guys were looking at a chance to build something and had the chip on your shoulder. And it showed throughout your, your careers there, both of y'all. But – Evan, I'm going to ask you a few questions uh, just kind of through your time, and then, Sean, Jim's going to get you. So, Evan, you know, I've weird weird uh, connection we have. You didn't know this until today, but my whole family's from Lexington, Tennessee, too, and every time I was growing up, oh, where's your family from? And I say Lexington, and, you know, they're like, what, what, like Kentucky? No, no. Then you got to say it's like outside of Jackson and between he, Jackson, you know, Memphis and Nashville. It's a weird thing, but. Yeah, I was just up there a couple weeks ago. You're, you're like a legend up there, man. Except for that one cop, we got to do something about that. Yeah, we gotta we gotta talk to the cop, man. Maybe yeah. next time, give me a warning or something. Yeah, I got it. You know, there's a lot of jowers up there, man. So I had to just put it. I had to put a word out. <laughs> but I'm not paying your ticket, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, now that the NIL thing's in place, I, maybe we can pay your ticket. I'm not even sure what yeah. the rules are anymore. Yeah, get some endorsements going on off the show. You know, who knows? That's right. Go tell them you back the blue, Evan. Just, you know, get all these things out of here. Yeah, yep. So, um, you know, you talked about, you know, your, your path up through high school, you know, in Scotts Hill. And obviously, I'm really familiar with Lexington, real small, as you called it, a town. Uh, you know, got a lot of charm to it, but you're just not getting a lot of accolades. So, you go to Tennessee, you know, for a chance to, you know, make a name for yourself. Uh, so, you go in your freshman year. Talk about what that was like. Was it culture shock, not just being in Knoxville, but playing on that team compared to what you came from at Scotts Hill? Dude, I'm I'm not going to sit here and and our freshman year was you know a grind if you want to call it that. Uh, Sean will be able to tell you the same. Um, you know we did not really have a great a great fall. Neither of us did. Um, there were both times where uh, 
I could have saw seen Sean get cut. Sean could have seen me get cut. I mean, we were the coaches didn't seem like they liked us. Um, but yeah, it, it was definitely a culture shock um, because Coach V coming in, we were not talented, you know, top to bottom at all. Uh, we didn't have a, a, a really good lineup. We had one or two hitters maybe that were ready for the SEC. Um, we had just a couple arms. But, you know, the culture shock was the main thing. We didn't spend a day. Um, we, didn't, we didn't leave the locker room or the field one day that fall to where we were like, oh, that was fun. You know, it, it, was, it was an absolute grind. It was mainly like, like boot camp. And, you know, but I think it was necessary for, uh, for our kind of to weed out the guys that weren't wanting this. You know, it, it kind of forced the guys that um, didn't care about this team winning, um, you know, this program getting to the point that it is today. I think it kind of uh, forced them guys out. And, you know, I, I do think that it, it changed me uh, going through something that, that was very difficult because there were times where, uh, to be honest, I didn't think the coaches liked me. Uh, I didn't think that I would ever get a chance to play. Um, and there were times where I thought about transferring. Uh, there were times, you know, my end of the year meeting, it's funny that uh, I can I can joke about this, but um, Coach V, he's probably my favorite, my favorite coach that I've ever played for now. But, you know, and I've had some great coaches, but uh, freshman year, um, he heard that I was talking to other teams, other JUCOs and stuff. And um, our end of the year meeting, he told me, he, he was like straight to my face, like, dude, if you don't want to be here, I don't care if you go, like, go ahead. <laughs> and it was, he was like pretty much calling my bluff to, you know, to transfer. And, and that's the, that's the culture that he was, he was putting in. He was like, uh, if you don't want to be a part of this, then leave. And, you know, I, I, a scared freshman at the time, I, I didn't think that he wanted me to play or I didn't think he even wanted me there, but, uh, you know, uh, with a little more uh, discussions, he was like, dude, we want you around. We think that, um, you know, you're, you're part of the, the culture that we're trying to, um, you know, in, install in this team. And, um, you know, after some discussions, I was like, yeah, this is the place where I want to be. This is the coach I want to play for. But, you know, um, Sean can, you know, talk on it too because we were both not ready for SEC ball. And I, I do think after the fall that our strength coach put us through and, you know, Coach B uh, and, and all the other coaches kind of changing the culture. I, I think that fall kind of um, led to success from from the core guys that were, were a part of it this year. So Yeah, absolutely. The culture being the biggest thing. You could see the culture change on the field. Obviously, we don't see what's behind the scenes in those meetings, but it's not surprising given the rapid – it probably didn't feel rapid to you guys – but watching, you know, being a Tennessee fan like you guys have been and like I've been for a long time, that's not a, a program for baseball that's had success in many, many years. So he was definitely having to, you know, start from scratch and, and glad that he saw something in you guys to keep you around. But you're going into your sophomore year, you can you said the offseason was brutal, but it was getting you there, making, you know, making making men out of you. Right. So you're, you improve in every statistical category. Obviously, the team has more success, but just talk about what that improvement was like going into the next year and how that felt, you know, to see some success from yourself and the team. You know, so so I ended up getting a, a lot of playing time my freshman year, especially when conference play started, um, you know, and, and I did pretty decent for a freshman, nothing spectacular. Um, you know, the, at, at the time, the standard was not high. 
uh, for anyone really. And, but I mean, nowadays I would have never played as a freshman on this team, that this previous team. So I guess you can say the program's improving, but you know, I got a lot of, a lot of playing time and um, you know, going into my sophomore year, uh, you know, I was a pretty excited, um, you know, that was kind of my, that's kind of my feeling was I was about to break out. This was about to be my breakout year. I got some playing time freshman year. I've got the, the nerves under, out of the way. So, you know, here we go about to make a name for myself. Um, but my, the summer going into uh, the fall of my sophomore year, I completely blew out my right knee, um, tore my PCL in half. And, you know, I had to go through rehab basically and miss the entire fall. And up until the opening weekend, I, I really hadn't even played um, even a scrimmage game. I had gotten a couple ABs and stuff. Well, uh, Coach V wanted me to DH at the time and, uh, you know, try to try to help the team and, um, you know, any way I could. And I was trying to also get healthy and, you know, be able to get out on the field and stuff. Well, I ended up being able to get out into left field and, and help. And here comes a man named Alex Solari. And that dude came and he got one chance to play left field. And that game, he absolutely obliterated some baseballs. Well, with my knee injury, they thought it was best for me to just, you know, DH and try to get healthy and try to, to stay out of our, our trainer's room and, you know, keep playing on the field, even if it's only with ABs. So I ended up, you know, having a decent sophomore year, but, you know, mainly DHing and, um, you know, and we ended up going to a regional, but uh, being the five hole as a sophomore as well, you know, I, I feel like that did uh, help me improve, even if I wasn't uh, talented enough then to really be a DH. So uh, if, if our five hole from here on out is only hitting six home runs, um, our hitting coach needs to be fired. So <laughs> Evan Russell calling a shot there. So, uh, yeah. yeah. So, you, you know, obviously you get, it doesn't go exactly the way you want, but you're still in the five hole and you're seeing you're, you're improving, even if it's just ABs, obviously the injury, but going into your junior year, obviously is uh, we all know it's a pandemic, but you guys start off blazing hot. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm telling all my friends, you know, Hey, th these, these boys finna do some work, man. So, Obviously, I got a question for you, though, man. Do you, like, hate ETSU? Is there something about those guys? Because, like, your first home run, then you hit two home runs against them. Dude, I, I don't know what it is. It's, it's something about them. I'm excited to play them whenever from here on out because uh, I always had success against them. But, yeah. you know, I, I mess with Jackson Greer, our, our transfer from ETSU all the time. That Dude, we would, like, exchange homers throughout those games because he'd always hit a homer against us. I'd always hit a homer against him, so it, it was it was always fun playing them for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So the season obviously gets cut short, and I feel, did, did you guys feel like coming into that junior season, the COVID season, did you have the expectations similar to this last year that you thought you could go and make some noise and not only SEC but make it to a super regional? Dude, I'm gonna be honest. After uh, after this past season, I, I know we were pretty talented this past year, but I mean that team last year, I, I don't know. I don't know if we would have if we would have lost, you know, close to ten games in conference, dude. We had some absolute dudes. Um, we were all playing well. We were clicking. They were high. There was high confidence going in um, into conference play. You know, I, I don't see I don't see us, you know, even losing the the SEC. But that's that's easier said than done. 
Um, you know, but but I, I honestly think that we were much better last year than we were this year, and, and it sucks that we didn't get to really see the full potential uh, of that team. But you know, yeah, it happens. No. What is what? So what is that? When you guys start hearing rumors, you know that things are getting shut down. I mean, what is the Vitello and the coaching staff? What are they telling you guys? Just keep your head down and we'll wait till something happens. Or how are those conversations in the locker room going? Yeah, it, it all happened so fast. We were, you know, we were getting ready for South Carolina, and we basically had all our bags packed. We were about to get on the bus, and we we started hearing the day before that, you know, this pandemic was you know, coming up and this was actually a real thing. So there was fear along with um, kind of anger that the season was getting shut down. Like, you know, we're rolling at the time, you know, we, all we heard, um, you know, since I've been in college was, oh, we can do it before uh, conference play. But, you know, once the big dogs come, we, we kind of fold. So there, there was a, there was kind of a mentality of an underdog mentality of really wanting to, uh, make a statement in the conference so you know with our bags packed and basically on the bus uh getting told uh you can't play anymore this year yeah it, it was tough to swallow and especially seeing um so, some really really talented guys getting lost in the draft and not getting to play or where the you know the t on the chest anymore it was kind of kind of frustrating yeah and then of course not knowing you know hell we're gonna have a season the next year so at what point through the pandemic did you guys, did the coaching staff kind of say, hey, we we're going to come back, we're going to start working out? I mean, what was that feeling like, relief? Or are you still anxious, nervous? Dude, so uh, we, didn't, we didn't know how, you know, the tests were going to go um, with everything. We didn't know if, if our program was going to get shut down a week into us playing. Uh, we kind of took every day, like, and, and Sean would be able to, you know, talk more on that but we kind of played every day like it was our last day and our practices were loaded down um you know we tried to get everything in one practice because we never know knew whenever our program was getting shut down we, we were watching uh, other schools you know they'd have a positive test and and from there on out they they didn't get to you know play for two weeks so we were we were kind of just um we were kind of just you know seeing what would happen and, and sitting around and uh, just enjoying each day. But uh, it, it was hard on our, our team, uh, especially the young guys, you know, um, whenever you have a team, you want to get to know them outside of uh, the locker room and outside or off the field. So um, not being able to really hang out, you know, with guys, except for whenever you're lifting, uh, it, it was hard to really get to know, you know, the new guys and let them become a part of the team. So, um, I would say that was probably the hardest part was uh, trying to, you know, get the guys to become, you know, more unified. Yeah, and then you do come back. Obviously, you guys are thankful, like you said, playing every every day like it's your last. And you come back, you start playing again. Expectations are obviously high. But what was it like to play essentially with no fans in the stands? I mean, not that Tennessee historically had even been great yet. You know, you guys are kind of on the rise, obviously. But – not playing in front of fans at all. That's probably something you haven't done in a long time, I'm sure. Yeah, no, it, it, it was weird. Uh, you know, you have those cutout boards and stuff, but that's not the same. Uh, we basically had we basically had family there, and that was it. But, you know, uh, I think that's what helps um, having a pretty energized dugout. You know, I, I, Coach V, he does a, a great job of trying to get the right guys in the dugout. 
And, you know, if you're, if you've got a winning mentality, no matter if you're on the field or not, uh, it's going to show. And I, I think he did a great job. And, you know, the energy was always still high, no matter if there was 200 people in the stands or 2000, it, it was always the same. So I, I think that was kind of uh, pretty cool to see um, our guys kind of rally behind each other, even when uh, nobody was in the, in the stands. Yeah, no doubt. There was a lot of energy even before the fans. Obviously, Coach V, I don't know him at all. I just, you know, I've just been impressed with the fact that he does. He seems like he's got a ton of energy. I mean, I saw him do like a Usain Bolt sprint, you know, after that walk-off home run. So he's, he brings the noise. Dude, his his celebration, I've never that, – that's one thing. If I was a big recruit and I wanted to play for a coach, uh, that's the guy I would want to play for just because no one shows – they're more, more emotion than him. No one shows their true character more than him. Um, he's not afraid to be himself, even on camera. And the dude loves winning, you oh, know, yeah. no matter what, no matter what happens, he loves winning. And I think that's why he's had success. And uh, also with the pandemic, you know, there was not a, he told, he talked to our, our guys before the season even started. And he said, we, if we have nine guys, if we only have nine pitchers, and everyone else is out for COVID, we're still going to play that game. You know, he's there's never going to be a game that he cancels, never going to be a game that he doesn't want to play. And the irony in that is that, you know, we ended up winning the the East because of a game that Vanderbilt did not play. You know, yeah. who knows who knows if they would have won it or not. But, you doesn't know, I, I think that, yeah, it doesn't matter. I think it shows that uh, one coach, you know, I don't know if Tim Corbin didn't want to play that game or not, but, you know, I th- I do think Tony Vitello would have found a way to play that game somehow. 100%. So. Well, look, Evan, I know you don't want to talk about yourself, but I got to get into this, man. You know, you're a two-time Golden Spikes National Performance of the Week. You know, we're talking three-run home runs. Talk about what that's like coming – because I know where you come from in Lexington. What is it like to see, you know, you on SportsCenter getting all these accolades – was it surreal or was it something that you always kind of knew? It doesn't sound like you're that kind of dude that's like, oh, yeah, I saw that when I was 11. Yeah, yeah you know, there's a, you know, listening to uh, successful people talk, they always talk about how they always, something deep down in them knew that great things were going to happen. And, you know, um, I, I was struggling before both of those games. I, I was kind of uh, struggling up until then. But, um, yeah, you know, there was something always in me that was like, you know, I am talented enough. My, my power is there. Um, I'm a good enough hitter to compete um, against the best arms uh, anywhere, you know, and, and um, even when, it, when my average was not, was not there and um, I was in probably as big of a slump as I've ever been. Um, something in me knew that, um, you know, great things were coming and, you know, I had great, I had great coaches that were keeping me, uh, kind of sane because if baseball is not going well for baseball players, uh, usually their not their life is not you know full of happiness. So, right. um, you know, I, I was not having a great time um, struggling, especially whenever um, there were holes for our, our lineup to you know to be filled, and you know, uh, but but seeing those um, or after those games happened, I'm not going to sit here and say I slept that night because. You know, it, 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 even with melatonin, uh, my adrenaline was so high from those nights. I, I didn't get, I didn't sleep a wink. And, you know, Me it's either. probably 
yeah, dude, it's probably not healthy for athletes to play, you know, multiple games, especially whenever your, uh, your emotions are high, but without sleep, but I definitely did it twice. So. So I want to talk to you specifically about, um, you know, one series in particular in the regular season. So we'll stick there for now. Uh, the LSU, um, you know, there was a lot of talk uh, after from, you know, the guys, Palmineria, what was done, fans coming back. Don't really want to focus on that too much. We will in a second. But just the fact that you, I mean, were on fire hitting all those home runs. And LSU obviously comes into the season, storied program, legendary, you know, coach. But you guys knew that was a chance for you guys to really put yourself on the map. You guys knew it, but the nation's still kind of doubting it. So talk about what it was like for you to have that kind of series against a talented staff like LSU. You know, I think that that was one of the most talented teams in our conference. Um, I know the record didn't show, but I know they had some tough breaks. Uh, but there's no bigger program. Maybe you can make an argument that Vanderbilt is just as big recently, but there's no bigger program in our conference that you want to, you know, take down than LSU. And, you know, they, they came in with a mentality that they were going to beat us and they should, they're, you know, they're LSU. So, um, but I, I think that for once in this program in a long time, this team was not afraid of, you know, Louisiana state. And I think that that comes from um, the coaching staff. They're, they're not afraid as well. And, um, but I, I think that was kind of a big turning point in our season because it wasn't like we blew them out of the water. We, we beat them in close games and, and beating a team that's got full of culture as they do and uh, a coach that they have and, you know, the players that they have because Dylan Cruz and Trey Morgan, they're going to play for a long yeah. time, dude. I mean, yeah. that, that's, that, that's, that's two freshmen that I, I've really never seen, you know, come into a conference like this and, and really, you know, dominate it the way they did because they did not add like freshmen and, um, you know, they're going to play for a long time as, and, you know, and seeing a, a team like that come in with that much talent and us not, you know, shy away from, didn't flinch from close games. We, yeah. We didn't flinch. We, we beat them in close games. We beat them in, you know, big moments. And uh, I think that kind of, you know, set the tone for the entire season. Yeah, absolutely. So on the positive side of the crowd, what was it? What was that atmosphere like? Because obviously it was well documented that, that, you know, how fever pitched it was. But for you guys, I mean, obviously your high energy, Vitello's high energy, the coaching staff. But what did that extra those extra fans do for you guys psyche when they're back? What's crazy is you didn't just get fans that were ready for winning. You got fans that were had bottled up energy from a quarantine. So (laughs) it was a common it was a combination of. They needed a sport that they could be proud of for winning some big games and big moments. And, you know, they, they needed something to do. So you had that combination coming from uh, a, a wild ball nation. And, you know, I, I think it just it showed in, especially starting in LSU, we only had 30 guys getting after, you know, Palmineri and their whole, their whole team. But for them to, you know, make comments like that, I think it shows how, uh, you know, power and, and, and wanting to, you know, get in the other team's head and uh, college atmosphere. So, you know, I, I think, uh, I do think that crazy stuff happened throughout the season because our fan base. Yeah. And, you know, uh, especially with, you know, Arcan or Fergie's walk off off Arkansas and Drew Gilbert's walk off on, on Wright State. Dude, I can't explain to you the, 
the feeling that was, you know, going on in that stadium. But uh, a moment you'll never forget, is, right? I mean, that'll be something yeah. that lives with you guys forever. But look, I see what you're doing, man. Trying to get it off of you, but I got to talk about you just one more quick time. <laughs> uh, you do so, Vanderbilt. You talked about maybe they're the only other team besides LSU that can, you know, have that claim to fame. Uh, but you do the same thing, three homers against those guys. And we all know the names, you know, with Rocker and Lighter. And there's a lot of talent on that team. And then for you to have the success, I mean, talk about what that's like. That's another historical name. But how are you seeing the ball? I mean, are you? is it like a beach ball up there? And you're pitching against dudes that you know their names are going to get called early this coming week. And just the success that you were able to have. What's that feeling like, Evan? You know, so so my, my approach to hitting, I, I'm a fastball hitter. And basically everyone – uh, figured that out and, and that got on my scouting report. So it kind of, um, it, it kind of hurt me late in the season, but, you know, I was a fastball hitter. I, I, I like hitting, you know, spin rate. And, and I knew going into that week that my matchup off of Kumar and lighter were both pretty good because they were both, um, you know, fastball attackers that they, they really had confidence in their heater. So I, I knew that I had a pretty good plan to, uh, go up there and, and just do not be laid on a heater. You know, I, I could ground out, I could fly out, but I was not going to get let, be laid on it. And, um, you know, that was my approach going into it. But uh, uh, the Friday night before Vanderbilt, I did not get – I did not start. And that was – you know, Kyle Booker is a, a, a phenomenal player, and he's he's going to play for a long time as well. And this is about to be his breakout year. But, um, you know, this being my fourth year uh, playing against – uh, some some pretty good competition and and basically being in the lineup for you know all those uh, all those seasons and then seeing my name not on on the list uh, against a premier uh, pitcher it was kind of uh, that was probably my lowest point in the season was not getting to play against him I, I really thought that my uh, my season was basically over um, you know uh, I thought that uh, basically they were giving up on me um, and you know going into that game, I just sat on the bench and watched, um, you know, basically Kumar shove it against us. And, um, you know, it was kind of frustrating because the whole week I'd been, um, I'd had pretty good confidence on my, my mechanics and my swing and my approach was going to work out against them. And, you know, I had a pretty good game plan. So uh, not getting to see it against, you know, their, their Friday night guy was, frustrating but you know seeing my name in the lineup and you know still being prepared for the Saturday game I, I thought it was pretty um I thought that was kind of the the key to my success is because I didn't let um the previous night of me not getting to play kind of affect me so um you know I came into into that game and I felt pretty good about my game plan and after my first AB uh he walked me and I was seeing it well I was seeing it out of his hand and you know it, it was firm um, I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, I was seeing it too well because it was 97. It was every bit of, you know, I had to be ready for the heater. But, you know, I knew my, my approach was um, uh, pretty good against him. And, and you know, if I, if I went up there and got in that advantage count and wasn't late on a heater, I, it was going to pay off. But um, after the first – or after seeing Connor Pavoloni hit that homer, um, it, it kind of relaxed me because – I knew he was going to, you know, have even more confidence in this heater and he was going to, you know, be a little angry about it, about the previous AB. So um, I definitely get, didn't get cheated on that first one. Uh, that one went a long way. 
And that one's probably um, – it, it was pretty cool to see, um, you know, what my vision was throughout the – pretty much the whole season because I'd heard about his name and I was wanting to hit off of him. I was wanting to see what I could do. And seeing my the vision of having success off of him and uh, having a game plan go into him, it, it was it was pretty cool to see it all work out. So it's kind of crazy. It's almost like you saw my script because the first thing I was going to ask you before I got into into it with Sean was about Kyle Booker. I'm from where Kyle is from. I watched him his whole high school career. So I was going to ask you, how special is he going to be? And you kind of touched on that, but just really elaborate. Tell me, I mean, I mean, the guy's work ethic is amazing, right? Dude, he's, he's absolutely turned himself into a pro player. Um, you know, coming in, he was he was kind of looked at undersized. Um, you know, he he had he had sort of the tools, but uh, he kind of needed to you know um, improve all of them. So uh, he came in and he put on a lot of weight. He put on probably twenty pounds um, in the fall, and you know he was kind of uh, he didn't have much confidence in the fall, especially in the field, and and it kind of carried over to his bat. But the dude had such great bat speed that you knew he was going to be a great player and no matter how it was going no matter how his ABs were going in the fall you knew that uh, Kyle Booker was going to be able to play in this conference and there was no doubt that he was going to be able to you know hit off of some elite hitters or elite pitchers and it showed with um, being two for three off Kevin Copps but you know seeing him improve himself into uh, the player that he is I, I do think this is his breakout year and I'm calling it, it would not shock me if he had, you know, SEC, uh, SEC honors at the end of the year. Dude, what if I told you, because like I said, from here, we've gotten to watch him. He was on a two-time state championship team with Blaze Jordan, who's now with the Red Sox, Cameron James and Kate Smith, who just won the national championship with Mississippi State. Like, I mean, th- he was on a team full of dudes. And then that was the team that had follow-up, like Austin Riley and Keegan James. Like, he comes from a school that just – I mean, dude, they're just – every year, new dudes just – it's like Alabama football, right? They're just recycling them in every year, that kind of thing. But I did want to say one more thing about you before I got to Sean. You know, we talk about your home runs. One of the things I noticed when I looked at your stats, you're still a professional hitter for more than home runs. Dude, you got three walk-off walks against Alabama in your career. That's pretty impressive. That's professional hitting. You didn't swing at bad pitches. You didn't try to be the hero in a different way. Yeah, dude, I will say that one of them, one of the two strike calls was questionable. Um, he, usually I do not get breaks when it comes to the umpire, but that time I think I got a decent break. Um, but, you know, as a freshman, uh, whenever that happened, it was kind of like, it was kind of cool. I, I definitely wanted to, to walk it off with a hit, but doing it with a walk was kind of comical. But, uh, uh, you know, it, it was pretty cool to see, you know, how I, I've turned into a swinger now. Uh, I sort of swing a little too much, but, uh, you know, at the time, uh, it, it could have been nerves. It could have been, you know, wanting to get a, a great or a better pitch. But, you know, it, it was pretty cool to, to walk off Alabama as a freshman. No doubt. All right, Sean. So let's get into it. First, you know, we got to dispute some of the things that Evan said about your freshman year because, you know, I'm looking at it, brother. And you were seven and three with a, 2.64 ERA with a 53 Ks first freshman ever to start uh, at Tennessee at six and oh man. So talk to me, like seemed like you were in a pretty good groove out the gate. Yeah. You wouldn't have, uh, you wouldn't have predicted that if you would have seen me throw 
um, any of my freshman fall. Um, I was, when I got there, I was like 84, 86, um, nothing special. I mean, guys were literally licking their chops to see me go out there um, in fall scrimmages. Um, <laughs> and Evan's laughing because he knows it's true. Uh, but yeah, I, I was I was not good my freshman fall at all. Um, and then kind of towards the end of the fall, we have a fall world series where, you know, they we split up teams, orange and white. Um, and that was kind of the peak of, you know, you know, I kind of did good in that in that series. So, you know, before that, I was like, man, I might get redshirted. They might just send me packing. Um, I don't know what's going to happen. And, you know, after the fall, I go home, go to my hometown, and I go see this pitching guy every once in a while just to, you know, work on some stuff. And he knows an advisor that, you know, Tony Vitello knows. And um, he tells me, like, hey, man, if it wasn't for that fall world series, like, they were gonna they were gonna get get rid of you and I was like man that's that's uh not good here because you know that one that one outing kind of just saved my whole career at UT um but once I got back to um to school in January it all kind of like fell in place for me um the good thing about the coaching staff is they really don't care how hard you throw um they care about strikes and outs so for me, I was like, man, if I can just if I can just throw strikes and get people out, I'll be just fine. Um, so that season, I started as a midweek starter, throwing on Tuesdays, and I ended up, you know, doing pretty well in those. I ended up going six and zero to start the season in midweek games. And then, funny story, I go, um, we're I think we're playing at ETSU on a Tuesday. And I show up in my shorts, you know, with my headphones in, thinking, like, I'm going to start. Like, they didn't tell me anything. It's just kind of routine at this point. And um, I show up, and one of my buddies that's no longer on the team, his name's Chase, he comes up to me. He's like, hey, man, you're not starting today. And I'm like, what do you mean I'm not starting today? Like, I'm 6-0. Like, what did I do? Like, am I in trouble? Or... And uh, he's like, no, nah, man, you're not starting. So I'm freaking out. And I'm, like, you know, going around asking people, like, what, like, did I do something wrong, blah, blah, blah. My strength coach at the time was like, hey, man, you need to go ask the pitching coach, like, hey, what's the plan? Because we have certain plans we have to do for conditioning lists and stuff like that as a starting pitcher. So I go up to the pitching coach, Coach Coach Anderson, and I'm like, hey, uh, you know, what, what do you think I'm going to pitch next so I can keep my routine, stuff like that, and He's like, yeah, we're gonna, we're probably gonna throw you Friday against Texas A&M, and I, and he started saying stuff after that, and I didn't hear a word that he said <laughs> after after he said that. So I'm sitting there thinking, like, man, I'm about to, I'm about to throw against Texas A&M as a freshman, and I'm throwing 85, and I'm like, man, this is gonna be nuts. So that whole week, I'm sitting there thinking, like, man, this is pretty nerve wracking, you know, because you know I'm starting on a Friday as a freshman. And then I, it all kind of fell in place. I ended up being um, – I started like two or three Fridays and then started um, Saturdays the rest of the way. Yeah, I thought maybe you were going to say because it was ETSU that they said Evan was going to drop bombs, so there was no reason to waste your arm that night. That's how that's how that was going to go. But, no, uh, real talk, you had <laughs> – <He> probably did. <laughs> you had uh, 22 consecutive scoreless innings, man. And, you know, as a, as a freshman – um, to be so dominant and consistent. And, you know, you talked about how nervous you were to, to then be a Friday night guy against the SEC. You still had to have built some sort of confidence to be playing so well, whether it's midweek or not, because you're still playing. Those midweek games are not necessarily easy. And, and in the way in which you did it in such a dominating fashion as a true freshman, I mean, you had to have felt some confidence. 
No, I did for sure. I mean, the, the point of midweek starters is to go as deep as possible in games to give your bullpen rest for the weekend. So I feel like I did a pretty good job of that. And, you know, going into the, the first SEC weekend start I had, I was just thinking to myself, man, if I can just do the same thing, keep the, keep the same thing rolling that I've been doing the past six weeks, I mean, I should I should do just fine. And I ended up – I think I ended up giving up three in like five or six innings. Mm-hmm. And I think we ended up we ended up winning that game. Um, when I came out, it was three to three. We ended up winning. Um, but, yeah, I had, a, I had a ton of confidence going going into the next one after A&M, for sure. Yeah, no, I saw that. I saw that you didn't have the dub, but, I mean, you didn't take the L either. And so, at the end of the day, it's a team game, and you did your part to get you to where y'all needed to. Um, you yeah. know, the, the biggest game that stood out to me was, at least the way I was thinking, was your first complete game against Western Carolina. You know, um, we talk to pitchers all the time on here, and we talk about the – the ability to be able to go a full game and go the distance. How did it feel that first time to go a complete game like that? Uh, it felt really good, obviously, because, you know, that's kind of a starting pitcher's dream is to to go a complete game. Um, but, I mean, at the time, I didn't really think anything of it. As a freshman, I didn't even – I'm not even sure if I even thought anything, literally. <laughs> um, I really didn't have time to, but um, during that game, I was – you know, I looked up, and next thing you know, it's just the eighth inning. And I didn't know the pitch count at the time, but I'm like, man, I, I'm actually about to throw a complete game here. And I ended up doing it. And um, unfortunately, me throwing that complete game cost me a road trip to Ole Miss um, the first the first uh, SEC weekend. So they didn't even take me. Oh, man, I wouldn't have brought it up if I'd have known that. My bad, my bad. <laughs> but uh, before we move to sophomore year, you know, Evan, Evan talked about, you know, freshman year just wasn't the best for you guys, but what was your favorite moment, whether it was individual or team, just something that highlights that freshman year for you? Um, highlight as a team for sure would be the Kentucky series. Because um, we had we had a guy named Brandon Chinea, um, who didn't have really good stats at all in the SEC, didn't hit, didn't hit home runs at all. Um, he ended up hitting a – I think it was a game-winning – Evan can correct me if he's if I'm wrong, but um, I think it was a game-winning home run that he hit against Kentucky, and we ended up winning that series. And at the time, obviously, we weren't that good, um, so we weren't really you know expecting you know big things or expecting all these all the wins that we got. But um, after that after that series win, uh, Coach Vitello went on an absolute tear um, in the locker room after that series win because he had he had got thrown out. Coach Anderson, I got thrown out, and um, so we get back into the locker room after that series win, and he's just jumping around with us, going ballistic, pulling wrestling moves on a chair. I mean, he he was into his in his underwear in the locker room with us jumping around. So that was that was probably the coolest moment. Dude, I want to play for Coach Batella. I wish I could go back in time, become an amazing baseball player, and go to Tennessee. Oh man! So sophomore year, man. 4-0 record with a 2.60 ERA, 29 Ks and 45 innings. But obviously the thing that you notice is different is you went from starter to the bullpen and the lack of innings. Um, it doesn't really disclose on there. Was that a coach's decision? Did you sustain an injury? What happened? No, there was no injury. I uh, I was kind of disappointed when I started the season. I, was, um, I went back into the midweek starter role for like the first week or two, I believe. Um, so I, I felt like I was starting at square one, essentially. Um, and then those two really didn't go that well. 
to be honest with you. And then I kind of moved into the bullpen role where I've kind of been um, ever since. Um, and I kind of can look back on it and think, you know, that's probably where I made that change to, to where I am now as, you know, being a closer. But, um, but I mean, that was a fun year. I think that year we had, we had plenty of arms. I think our staff was um, probably the most well-rounded staff that year that we ha that we've had um, in my four-year career here. So, had uh, had Cheese arrived by then or no? He hadn't. He wasn't there yet. That was that was the following season. Gotcha. But I saw statistically overall you were better, and obviously you know Evan talked about each year was progression. So. Um, definitely still good things to come out of it. And then um, you said, you know, you don't see it then, but it's a blessing you go to the bullpen because then you become an elite closer. It's just one of those things you can't see then. Um, but, you know, getting into junior year, to talk a little bit, obviously, um, you know, COVID-stricken season, but you you made six appearances, man, 0.54 ERA, three saves. Um, you're in your second save of the year, tossing four scoreless innings um, while striking out five batters against number one Texas Tech. That had to feel absolutely amazing, man. Talk me through that game and that performance. No, that's that was a, a very fun game. That whole weekend um, in Round Rock was was electric. Um, but I mean, at that at that time, we were um, we were rolling pretty good, um, and I had been in a role where I would come in after Chad um pretty much every Friday so I kind of knew that was what was going to happen if we had the lead so uh I think he came out and or he went through five he got through five innings and I came in in the sixth and I, I kind of just started rolling from there just getting ground ball outs getting fly ball outs um getting some strikeouts obviously like you said and um I mean I think that was kind of like the turning point for our team because they you know they were ranked number one in some polls and we were like, man, are we are we really this good? As good as we think we are, and um, we ended up sweeping that whole Round Rock series. And you know, we we kind of left that place with uh, with more confidence in ourselves and and knowing that we're like, you know, right up there with the best. Yeah, I think that cemented what Evan was saying that that y'all felt right, like, and that's why you hated that the season got cut short. That that's you know, Round Rock Classic really proved where y'all were at and the progression y'all had made. You know, instead of asking, you know, the same question about what coach said to y'all and everything for you specifically, I mean, how much hunger did that give you to get back on the field and if you know going into senior year? Man, I'm I'm telling you, we literally had nothing to do um during that quarantine when our season got cut. I mean, I can remember um there was three I lived with three guys. Um the only year that I didn't live with Evan actually. Um I've lived with three guys and we would literally throw baseball in the parking lot at our, our uh, apartment complex. Uh, we would do workouts in the parking lot. We would literally try to find anything we could do because we couldn't go anywhere. Everything was closed. Um, and then, you know, once we got to the point where we could go to the field um, in the fall, you could kind of see how hungry everybody was just to get back out there because we knew, you know, how good we could be. I mean, and unfortunately, we lost some guys to the draft, like Crochet, some of those those top guys that helped us a lot in, in, that, in that short season, short 16-game season that we had. But, I mean, you could tell that we had a chip on our shoulder from day one um, of that fall, and uh, you could kind of see it bleed into our, our spring season. Yeah, and it's interesting. You you know, you talked about the chip on the shoulder. There was, there was a lot of talk um, throughout the season. You know, people were kind of, as y'all were having success – 
your senior year were like villains, right? And I saw it as a team that was having not only success, but having fun and coming off a year in which everything was taken away from them when they felt like they had something going. And so, you know, it's funny how people kind of painted y'all in this light when all y'all were doing was just, you know, making up for the times that were lost, it seemed like, you know, and and just having fun winning games and, you know, a lot of them in, you know, walk-off fashion and whatnot. So, um, I'm going to start with the LSU series, kind of go right where, where Randy did with Evan, because it was a big series for you. Um, you know, obviously he hit the home runs, but I mean, you had a, a save and a win and a co-pitcher SEC of the week. I mean, talk about that series from, from your side of things. Yeah. So that Friday, uh, obviously I, I don't remember how many innings or anything that happened, uh, statistically, um, but that Friday series, I got to say, or that Friday game, I got to save. Um, I believe. Um, and then the next day, the following day, we got rained out and they postponed it. So we obviously went to a double header on Sunday. So usually at that point, I was used to going from Friday to Sunday. I wouldn't throw on Saturday, um, get that one day of rest in and, you know, come in, come in that Sunday game. And um, so that first game Sunday, uh, which would be game two of the series, I ended up throwing, and I, I honestly think I threw like .2 innings, maybe something short, and ended up squeezing out a win somehow. <laughs> and, and that's just—I guess that was just luck of the draw. Hey, it comes up with a W in the column. That's all that matters, right? Yeah, you're right. But it—it it, it was uh, <laughs> probably the shortest amount of time you can throw in a game to get a win. Um, so, so tell me, tell me as, as roommates, you know, you, the way you two played that series, when you get back to, when you get back to the apartment, I mean, what, what's the mood like? I mean, you two were the, the guys who had the biggest weekend of anybody on that team. Like, I mean, did y'all, did y'all stay and just kind of kick your feet up and just smile up or did y'all go out and celebrate? I mean, what happened? No, we, <laughs> we were just vibing. I mean, we, I think after the game, um, or after I forget, I don't even know which game it was. Probably the Sunday doubleheader. I'm pretty positive that it was me and Evan, and maybe one of our other roommates that were doing um, post game interviews. And we were kind of sitting around like, "Man, look, it's our house!" Like, <laughs> we're like we're the <laughs> we're the shining stars of the of the series, and it's just us three sitting here. But no, we we enjoyed it. We love coming back here and, and uh, you know talking about games and you know replaying stuff that happens. I got a, I got a random question, non baseball. Who's the cleanest of all y'all? <laughs> I, uh, all right, better question. Who's the dirtiest? Who's the dirtiest? Uh, okay, I, have to be I, between me and him. <laughs> <laughs> I will say I will say freshman year, Sean Hunley couldn't have been dirtier. That but he has true. grown. He has he's, grown. He's grown. That's he's good. Grown as a man. Good to hear, Sean. All right, so moving on with baseball. Uh, other huge series for you was South Carolina. You got two saves, uh, you know, and y'all were playing out South Carolina. And if I'm not mistaken, I think fans were starting to be allowed back in then. Uh, would that be correct? That is correct, yeah. All right, so you're you're at a hostile. I think they, I think they were – that was the series that they just came out with um, 100% capacity. That, and, and that's what I think I saw, but I, I, would, I didn't want to say it without being sure. So you go against a, a conference foe who is pretty solid. South Carolina was not a bad team by any means, and y'all go into that hostile environment. Um, 
obviously the place had to be rocking being that they were allowed to have a hundred percent and you, uh, you went in there and had another great weekend. You know, what was that, what was that like, especially on the road? No, I think that was a very important, um, weekend for us because, you know, we were in a, in an SEC East, um, you know, battle, you know, trying to, trying to win that side. Um, but I can, only thing I can remember about that series was Sunday's, um, game. Um, when I, I think it was the ninth, yeah, it was the ninth inning. Um, and their leadoff guy got a base hit. He hit a double. And I think we were down, we were up one, I believe at the time. And I can, I can remember thinking to myself like, man, there's just no way I can let this happen. We can't, we can't lose this game. Like this is for the series win. We got to, we're making a run here. This could count later on in the postseason. I'm like, man, I just can't let, I can't let my team down here. I, I got to do whatever I can to not let this run score. And uh, I ended up striking out three in a row. And that was, that was probably the most fired up. I think that I've been probably all season because I'm a, I'm a guy that doesn't really show emotion that much um, when I'm out there, but, in that moment, I uh, I kind of let it out a little bit, and that was probably that was probably one of the, the funnest outings I've had um, this season. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the picture that I used to advertise that you're coming on the podcast because you're pretty emotional in that picture. So that's got to be one it is if you if you don't usually do that. Um, so we talked about uh you know Chad Dallas. You know he's a two time guest on here. Um, you know obviously he joined y'all later, but um, I just I just wanted to know because we've really grown to love him. Uh, a lot what was it like getting a pitch with a guy like that oh man it was a blast that guy that guy couldn't be more of a goofball <laughs> um I mean he's he's always playing jokes got tricks up his sleeve probably if not the funniest guy in our on our team and I'm sure Evan could could say the same thing about him um but yeah he he's a competitor man he uh, as soon as he got there he was he was supposed to be a reliever his first year when he got there that fall, he was, you know, in line to be a reliever for us. And he ended up getting the ball on the first Friday um, of that season. And he, I don't think he ever uh, did anything else. I think he started literally every Friday for us from then on out. Um, but I mean, he, he's, he's fun to play with, man. He, I, I can, he, we kind of mess with each other a little bit because we call each other our, you know, like a dynamic duo because, you know, I come in after him um, pretty much every time he throws. But um, man, it's been it's been fun getting to know that guy, and he he's gonna do really well, I think, um, in pro ball because he has that. Every good player has that little demeanor about you know like they have that little I don't care kind of mentality sometimes you know, mm -hmm. and uh, he he has that, and he'll he'll I think he'll be really successful in uh, mm -hmm. in pro ball. Well, you know, watching y'all both pitch, and you actually mentioned it earlier, and and you was talking about the way y'all were coached. Um, neither y'all are afraid to attack the strike zone, and I think you know, that's something to be appreciated because you guys just go right at he, right at the batter. Um, no fear. He's, you know, he says sometimes that's why he gets home runs hit off of him because he's not afraid to go right at him. But both you guys, um, you know, y'all don't beat around the bush, man. Y'all, y'all attack the batter. And, and I love that. Um, with that, you know, you talked about him being the goofball. The other guest we had on Connor, man, he's, he's Mr. Serious, right? But he's the catcher. He's the guy you're throwing to. What's it like throwing to a guy, you know, with his professionalism? Man, he, we, we call him robot um, because he's so, he's literally so locked in all the time. I mean, we're in the locker room before a game and you, you can't even say anything to the guy because he won't hear you. Um, he kind of blocks everything out, but I mean, he, he's a professional at what he does. Um, 
catching wise and hitting. Um, but he's grown a lot since um, since his first year. Um, and he he had some he had some things he had to go through um, this season with some injuries, uh, broken hand, um, which I don't, honestly don't know how he hit with a broken hand. I think he hit the farthest ball he's ever hit in his life <laughs> with a broken hand. And um, and I remember asking him like, dude, like I don't know how you're doing this. Like, how are you hitting these balls with you know with a broken hand like this? He's like, dude, it is killing me. And I'm like, this guy's a warrior, man. Like, he he grounded for us and and um. You know, everybody loves him on the team, and it was fun to play with him, too. Yeah, I mean, it showed the heart. That's why I, I loved y'all's team. I mean, when you talk about he's the guy batting ninth, when you looked at one through nine, you know, I know obviously you're a pitcher, but that's got to feel confidence when, you know, you're on the mound. Um, you know that your batting order looks like that one through nine, and a guy like Connor Pavoloni is batting ninth. That's, man, that's, that's what's up. So uh, my last question, and then I'm going to let Randy dive into postseason with both you guys, um, you know, Evan talked about the struggles from freshman all the way to where y'all got to to now. Um, man, for you, just personally, winning that SEC East title, I mean, just how amazing did that feel? Uh, it was the highlight of my career, honestly. Um, I mean, going from freshman year, Evan said it too. We weren't good. There wasn't a culture. I can remember, you know, losing our last game um, at Missouri that kind of ended our season. We didn't even make Hoover. And I can remember getting on the bus and being like, you know, like kind of like whatever. Our season's over. We're headed back. You know, nobody really had that much emotion about it. And, you know, now we, we've we been through the grind of, you know, three years. And to see it kind of, you know, come to fruition and, you know, kind of pay off was amazing. And to see the crowd that we brought to Lindsey Nelson was, was something like you can stand there and look at and be like, you know, we kind of built this, you know. and um you know, it was just probably probably the best thing that's happened my four-year career was, you know, getting the SEC's SEC East title. And then, you know, obviously the postseason was really fun too. Yeah, so, Sean, stay with me here. Well, I'm going to dive into that postseason. You, obviously, you get the SEC East, um, and you're going in the regional. You're hosting, so that's huge, playing Wright State. And, you know, a lot of people that aren't diehard fans see Wright State, like, oh, man, Tennessee, you know, they're playing Wright State. Who's ever heard of them? But that's a good baseball team. Uh, you know, obviously I don't have to tell you guys that, but you're, you're going into that game. You guys have a ton of confidence. You expect to win, you know, your regional, especially hosting it. But just going into that game, you know, it's kind of back and forth for a while. Uh, obviously, you know, cheese, it doesn't go the way cheese wants. And then you kind of come in, doesn't really go the way you want it to either. But the team, they, they battle. And, um, you know, obviously the iconic walk-off happens at the end. And obviously I sped through that. I'll let you kind of dive into a little bit more, but, what was the emotion like? We'll start with this. The emotion, like when y'all come out and take the field and the crowd is electric, like it seemed to be where, I mean, were you guys just amped up? Did you, were you prepared for how crazy the crowd was that night? No, I, I knew it was going to be, you know, a big crowd. I knew it was going to be loud, but um, I can remember we would get announced, you know, our team would get announced and we'd go out to the, the baseline for the national anthem. And, you know, once that started happening and, you know, they, they announced the start lineup because, you know, pitchers never get any love, just saying. <laughs> um, they announced the start lineup, and I'm like, man, this this place is rocking. Like, I kind of I, I knew it was going to be loud, but I didn't know it was going to be like that, man. But it was it was a lot of fun, and, you know, that was probably – that was definitely the most people I've ever seen there, if not, you know, probably the Super Regionals was up there too. But that was the most people I've ever seen, 
you know, there and even outside of the stadium, there was people everywhere. Yeah, had the watch parties and, and everything. So before we move on to the next game against Liberty, Evan, uh, talk about what that was like for you kind of going through the game against Wright State. Like I said, you're back and forth. You know, you, you're not dropping three bombs that game. I mean, I didn't see that, Evan, I got to tell you. No, man, it, it was it, it, it was a lot of emotions going throughout that game. Uh, you, you know, if you're, if you're a big follower of baseball, you know that winning that first game in a regional is so important. Um, we had just put, you know, our, our best two guys, you know, we had just burned them, Chad and Sean. And if we don't get a win with Chad and Sean, we're not looking good for that week weekend or even the regional, you know. So um, I, I kind of knew how, how important that game was. And, you know, being down three runs in the ninth to that team was, was not a good feeling. And, you know, that, like you said, that was not a four seed. Uh, that lineup was legit. Um, you know, they were physical, they, uh, they were professional in their, their ABs and, you know, you know, there was never an easy out, uh, from that lineup. So, um, to be competing against them and we felt like we were pretty, putting up pretty decent, um, at bats against them, but, but they were answering everything, you know, and going into the last inning down by three, um, some people in our locker room were saying that they were, they knew that we were going to win for some reason. Uh, that was not me. You know, I, I was pretty, I was, I was pretty positive that we were not going to win. Um, I was not feeling comfortable. And, you know, we, we started putting some ABs together and uh, my emotions were, I was trying to stay, you know, prepared for a net bat because I was on deck uh, when yeah. Gilbert hit that. And, you know, I was not expecting that, that to happen. So I was trying to stay calm and relaxed and, and my heart rate shot through the roof whenever he hit that ball. And, you know, you uh, I do. Yeah. I, I think that is, that is going to be, you know, the kind of the, the kickstart for, um, you know, this fan base and, and how this program is going to, going to be for, for years to come. Yeah. What a huge moment it was. Obviously that made sports center top 10. Uh, did you guys, as you're kind of all around home plate and everything, was there ever a thought that somebody was going to get hit in the top of the head with the bat flip? Dude, after he tossed it, I'm glad he looked to see where he tossed it because he had no, no care for where that thing was going. What <laughs> landed first, the home run ball or the bat? I'm not sure. Dude, it had to have been the bat because <laughs> that ball was launched. It still hasn't landed. Dude, that's what me and Sean were talking about it yesterday. It's like it wasn't just like a ball that barely got out. That was one of the farthest balls I've ever seen hit there. Yeah, so Sean, you you know you obviously were in the you were pitching, so you're in the dugout when that happens, right? Oh yeah, I, I was in there just sweating it out, sweating it out. So when he hits that home run, I mean everybody runs out on the field, and if I'm not mistaken, that's the that's the game that Vitello runs down and like jumps into the net, right? Yeah, that's, yeah. He, yeah, he was, ran and jumped into like the student section area. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, what a moment! I actually scared my kids to death. I was watching; it was crazy. Randy, uh, have you ordered your bat flip king shirt yet? You seen those? Yeah, I love it. I love it. You know, I got to tell you though, Evan, if you had ever done the Conor McGregor strut, that would rival. But Drew Gilbert had some epic bat flips, man, and none better than that one. And it just seemed like you guys always had that edge. Both of you guys have talked about, you know, kind of having the edge coming in. But that was just the team. You talked about Patello and the energy. It just seems like that whole thing was the mantra. It was from the top down. Everybody's just has an edge, and they, they play with it, and it showed, right? And, and moments like that are when it pays off. Yeah, but, I know. Like you said, like, Drew did not care about what anyone thought about his bat flip. 
you know. No. I mean, why would he? No, oh, dude, with the balls he said, I would have probably tossed him too. And you, <laughs> so. you guys, yeah, you, you guys don't know him like we do. Right. He's a, uh, he's an actual psycho. So he, <laughs> he, he, uh, he, he probably went up there. I'm not kidding. He probably went up there thinking like I'm actually about to hit one like that. <laughs> and his his first swing, you could tell that he was trying to. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, dude, if, if this guy, I'm sitting there over the, on the bench thinking, man, I just put our team in elimination. And I'm sitting here like, I'm sitting here like, if they give him a pitch that's like right where he got it, I'm like, he's going to obliterate it. And that's what he did. And I was, I couldn't, my emotions were so, you know, low and then straight to high. It was crazy. Randy, that TikTok video they made of that on him was probably my favorite video I've seen all year. Oh, yeah. Social media for Tennessee baseball had it going on. So, uh, and it really propelled you guys. You come into the next game against another good team, Sean, and, and Liberty. Obviously, you know, you don't pitch that day, but, you know, you're feeling getting your little rest in. But against Liberty, the team explodes. How about Liam Spence hitting a couple bombs? I mean, he, he comes on our podcast and tells us that he doesn't hit home runs. Then he hits a couple of them in a game. But everybody kind of chipped in that game against Liberty. So, you know, I'll let both you guys talk about that. You know, obviously, Sean had a front row seat, but Evan, you're in there too. And what was that game like? Was it was it truly the momentum from the walk off that carried you to that you know nine to three win against Liberty? I I mean I I think it was um, because we were coming off of it you know confident, obviously from getting that win, um, and we could have we could have easily been you know still a little hungover from that walk off uh, the night before. Um, but as far as Liam goes, I mean, I think he, he hit a home run or maybe two at Georgia Southern, our first series of the year. And I'm, I'm thinking like, man, this guy, I didn't know this guy had juice like that. Well, he and told us he, he didn't. Ended, I don't think he knew. He ended up hitting, um, that home run at Liberty and then it was, it was a big time home run. Got it, got it started for us. And it was kind of all history from there in that game. Yeah. So Evan talking about your game, obviously the Liberty game, the team's hitting, uh, I mean, and for you, I know I'm not, not trying to bring up anything bad. Didn't go the way you wanted it to, but obviously seeing the team succeed and get the nine to three, you put your, I know you probably put yours to the side and said, Hey, we'll come back and get this tomorrow and I'll, I'll bounce back. Right. You know, the, the beauty in, in our lineup and the way that we played all year is someone was going to get you and you never knew who it was. You know, Liam Spence was basically our, our ignition all year. Um, and he would find ways to get on base. You know, he was always uh, starting innings and stuff, but he was never hitting home runs to to really hurt a hurt a opposing team. So uh, to see him do that, it, it just it, it just showed like what our team was used to and what our team was about. Because you never knew how we were going to beat you, but you know we always found ways. And and Liam Spence hitting two home runs to, to find a way was just. It was just – it just showed what our team was. was Y'all didn't, you didn't we pencil that here. in? You didn't pencil Liam in for a couple bombs no, that day? No, we <laughs> – no, we were not expecting it. If, if Liam Spence hit two home runs at BP, it was a great day. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sean, I'm going to jump back to you. Uh, we, obviously, you know, now it's you got a chance to win the regional uh, against Liberty. And, you know, they're going to come back hungry because they felt like they had a bad performance in game two so you're coming back and obviously you know Heflin gets the start does his thing but then you come in now coming in obviously we talked about it. your last performance wasn't what you wanted you're over there saying I think I just put our team in elimination so what's your mindset going in I mean you're anxious I'm sure to get back on the mound but what, just talk about what that emotion was like for you 
Yeah, it was it was big time emotion because I didn't want the same thing to happen. Obviously, as the as the right state game. Um, but I I, I kind of went out there and I was like, yeah, this this isn't going to happen this game. Um, and at the at, actually at that game, I was I was running on low fumes to be honest with you. I was I was kind of gassed that whole game. Um, but I mean, it it was just a grinder game. I mean, I felt like our our team played really well that game, and um, we wanted to end it there. So I felt like, uh, you know, that was kind of – and I love being in those situations to where, you know, you know, the game's kind of riding on, you know, something. Or, like, I like I like being in those high-pressured situations because um, I feel like I, I've played better in high-pressured situations. So um, it was good. And, you know, to be able to be out there to uh, to secure a regional, um, to go to a super regional was was very fun. And, and uh, we, we enjoyed it. Absolutely. So, Evan, talking about that game and the elimination for you guys, too, you know, one thing it, defensively, we haven't even touched on that. You guys, I mean, really, you had great defensive plays throughout the season. I mean, the team did and a lot of highlights for that. But going into this, I mean, obviously that game, their pitch staff kind of had it on. Hits were kind of at it coming at a premium. I think you only had six in that game. So there's a lot of focus on the defensive side of the ball, too, not only the pitch staff because they were doing their thing between you know will and, and those guys so just talk about what it was like for you guys on the defensive side of the ball yeah you know I, I do think that we were very talented at the plate but there were times where you know it wasn't clicking um but like max ferguson you know he he had his 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 moments in the season where he was kind of struggling but his defense never left him and you know sure. i think that was that was kind of um kind of the same thing for everyone because uh, we, we did play phenomenal defense. Um, you know, our, our best hitter probably uh, struggled the most defensively this year, and he's usually a phenomenal defender. So, um, you, you know, to be able to uh, have have great defense whenever our pitching staff is, is filling the zone up, uh, I think that was kind of um, – that kind of keeps your confidence uh, pretty high even whenever the bats aren't rolling because uh, we can still win close games even if they are uh, low scored. So you brought up, you know, Ferguson's defense. I got a question for you, just random. Better defensive play, the one where he lays out to shallow center um, or the one where you go flying over the left field wall and make the catch? Dude, uh, the one that he caught um, in center, I, I was pretty much telling Gilbert 2-2-2, two, 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 uh, throw the ball to second before he even caught it because I, I thought there was no chance. Um, so I, I think the uh, – the level of difficulty would be Ferg's because I don't see many people being would get to that ball. So uh, I would go. The, the speed in which you were flying though, and then went going over that wall though, was pretty, pretty intense itself though. Yeah, dude. If you would have heard what that bullpen was saying to me all week or all weekend, there was no ch no chance that I was not going to catch that ball. <laughs> so <laughs> I got a question. You kind of touched on it earlier with, with Gilbert. Has he, has he ever hit a cutoff man? In the outfield, or does he want to throw everybody out? Dude, he he actually for him to not have thrown a single person out this year, it's it's weird because he has got a phenomenal arm. He does, and, dude. He does not care. He really doesn't care about the cutoff at all because his ball can be you know head high and and go as far as he wants it because it, that's how hard he throws it. Yeah, so moving into the uh, Super Regionals, a familiar foe. Uh, you know, you guys had swept them in the regular season, and it seemed to be – and maybe this is just on the fan side because, you know, I'm sure it was. There was a lot of chatter 
uh, from the, a lot of the comments that were made by, you know, LSU fans and Maneri and all that. And then there was some stuff on Twitter about Bianca saying that see you in Omaha, dad. So what you guys mindset, you're confident because you swept them in the regular season, but you also touched on the fact that how talented they are coming in. So your mindset coming in is like, hey, let's just handle business and get to Omaha. Uh, but what was, you know, talk about kind of just what your mindset was knowing that you guys had beat them 3-0, but damn, this team's really good. You know, I, I will say that um, there was there was a lot of nerves um, um, coming at the beginning of the week whenever we found out we were playing them because we knew how talented they were. And, and beating a talented team like that five times in one season is very difficult. Um, so uh, we, we were kind of like kind of upset that we got them in a draw because, I mean, we figured that they had the pulmonary magic going on with his retirement and, and all that. But you know, whenever we whenever we got into the first game and and kind of let all the the outside stuff you know um, go away and just focus on playing the game, I, I think that kind of just um, we let our talent um, pretty much outbeat theirs. So, absolutely, Sean, touching on you for a second. Now it's back to the dynamic duo, right, Chad? You both needed one of you guys pitched up to your own standards in the uh, regionals, but coming into super regionals, you knew that both of you guys were going to bounce back, obviously watching cheese do his thing. Um, and then you come in, you lock it down. Just talk about what your mindset was like. What first watching cheese, you know, regain kind of his momentum and get it, you know, his 11th win, but then you coming in another high pressure situation, close game and lock it down. Yeah. I mean, as coming in after cheese, I mean, when he does good, you want to do good. So his, his stats look better and it, he looks better obviously too. Um, but, I mean, like Evan said, there had been, you know, chirping going on about how you can't beat a team like that five times in a season, you know, all kinds of stuff like that. Um, but we, we kind of treated it just like another um, SEC weekend series. And for me personally, I kind of just – I had previous success um, against them in the season, obviously. Um, so I kind of just did the same thing, um, you know, pitched them the same way that I, that I had previously, and it ended up working out. Um, and that, that game was – was crazy. We had fans um, watching on a jumbotron out there behind our um, left field fence or left field line, and that was that was crazy and uh, fun to see. But I mean, we tr we kind of treated it like any other series. And once we got that first win, we were like, yeah, we we needed we needed to finish this thing off in game two. Yeah, it's it's a business trip, right? Well, I guess they were on a business trip, but um, you know, obviously, you guys do your thing. You got a lot of confidence. Now you beat them four times in a row, but. You know, Evan, to your point, I mean, it's hard to beat a team five times, right? But you come into the next game. I want to talk to both of you. Sean, I'll ask you this question because you're you're the pitcher. Blade, Tidwell coming in, obviously you got flashes of just brilliance. But, you know, young kid, elimination game, I mean, where you guys' confidence is sky high. But, I mean, what's it like? That guy, I mean, he seems like he's going to be, you know, pitching on in the majors one day too. So talk about what it's like to have him on that staff and just his growth over the season. Yeah, I mean, he, he's – as soon as he came in, I'm like, God, this guy's a freak athlete. I mean, he's – anything – he has everything you'd want in a pitcher. Um, he throws three off-speed pitches he can throw for a strike, along with, um, you know, he's up to, been up to 99. I think he's at 100 in the fall. Um, but, I mean, he's – he's also you could also put him in the psychotic um, <laughs> category as well. Um, I'm sensing a theme. But yeah, he, he – yeah, he he's fiery, man. He, uh, but I mean, he's really grown into being, you know, not just a thrower but a pitcher. Um, you know, because in the, in the fall he would literally, um, 
carve our own hitters. And I'm sitting there like, man, this guy's just a freshman. Like he's, he looks like he could be, you know, playing in triple A right now. And, um, but I mean, it's, it's been cool to see, see his growth um, through the season. And we had all the confidence in the world in him and, and we had it in that weekend series too with LSU. Absolutely. So Evan getting on you, man, obviously, you know, we talked about a little bit of, you're not really, you're not, I wouldn't say slumping, but you're not hitting like you want to hit. And then it was not just your breakout party in the, in the elimination game for LSU, but the whole team, obviously, but to see you kind of get off, you know, get a hit, get a bomb. I mean, talk about what that was like for you personally to just kind of get off of that, maybe the offer there for a while. Yeah. You know, it was frustrating. Um, it, it was nice to see us still winning without me producing at the time, but it was frustrating because um, uh, the teams had definitely gotten their scouting report on uh, how to pitch to me. And, you know, they were throwing in off speed and they were, um, you know, getting me, getting behind or getting ahead in the count and uh, pitching me backwards. So it, it was frustrating to, um, to kind of feel like uh, I was just, I was getting, um, getting beat the same way. And, you know, going into the last game, I, I wanted to end uh, my career at Lindsey Nelson, you know, uh, on a positive note, selfishly, you know, I, I think that it would have, you know, worked out for the team if I played well. So um, I, I wanted to make adjustment and, and the entire time in, in batting practice, um, I, I was telling the coach, do not throw anything inside because um, I, I was definitely pulling off the baseball. I was, um, you know, I was too early and, and, and all of my, my, all of my previous ABs. So, uh, and, and the opposing pitches were not throwing me any, anything, um, middle end. So it, it was definitely a, an adjustment that I needed to make, but it had taken me, you know, longer than it should have. So, um, going into that game, I was going to, you know, I have the approach of hitting everything to the opposite field and, and my whole, my whole, the entire, uh, game, my approach was, uh, hit everything to the opposite field. I was going to try to hit a, a homer over the bullpen. And, you know, uh, the A-B before my last one, I finally got it. And and that was a lot of emotion coming from me because it was it was pretty cool to uh, to do it um, in that moment in a Super Regional and, you know, to see the the, the crowd react that way and to, to kind of hear their chants at, in, in the outfield after, the, after that happened. It, it was something I will not forget, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of a lot of historic memories there. So uh, switching gears just a little bit. What was it? Obviously, you talked a little bit about it, Evan. Uh, but Sean, I want to hear your input too. Um, Maneri Magic and just kind of what that guy's meant. You know, we've had some uh, LSU guys on, had Fontenot on uh, just this week and just talking about the legend he was. Did any did you guys get a chance to speak to him after the game or before just any words that he said or anything? Because going out like that, it was really weird for me to be watching it on ESPN, they just stayed on him for like an hour as he's crying. And I'm like, damn, please get off this guy. <laughs> no, we, we didn't, uh, we didn't get to talk to him personally. Um, but I think, you know, the comments that he made about our fans, I didn't really look into it. I didn't really, you know, see the problem or anything about it. Um, but I do remember whenever they announced our, our teams that they, were full on booing him and I'm sitting there like man this this guy's like one of the greatest college coaches in history like he's he's up there in the ranks like yeah. I'm sure he I mean he knows what he's doing so I mean I mean I got respect for him for sure but I mean he, he's a great coach no absolutely so now we uh we won't spend a whole lot. obviously I really want to talk more about what the experience was like you win that you're doing historical things first time the team had been back to Omaha and you know forever 
Uh, but just kind of what was that emotion like? Obviously, Vitello reaching, you know, that for him. There's a, now there's starting to be a lot of chatter, right? You know, is he going to go? Was that not, I won't say a distraction, but was that even spoken about by you guys at all with the coaching searches and all that stuff? Uh, no, not really. I remember um, when the talk started happening, um, it was around the SEC tournament time, I believe. And we had been practicing, you know, at, at other high school or other college fields around there. And um, after one of our practices, um, it was kind of weird. He told us all to meet up in the dugout and he, he handed out a handed out shirts to us um, that said loyalty on them. And uh, I kind of took I mean, I don't know if anybody else did or Evan did, um, but I, I was kind of sitting there thinking to myself, like, maybe this is kind of like a message that he's trying to send to us without actually saying it that he's going to be staying, um, which I thought was kind of cool. But at the time I was like, man, this might be like his message without actually saying it to us. Yeah. Evan, same question for you. I mean, obviously the talk's going on. Is that any kind of distraction or you guys are just so locked in now you're going to Omaha or you're just focused on that? Well, I mean, yeah, there, there was a, a sort of a fear of him leaving because I mean, if LSU would offer, you know, 90% of the college coaches, over the country they would take it so uh it, there was a fear of you know there is a possibility because I knew that LSU was going to offer him a lot of money um just because of the success that he was bringing to a program that didn't have the resources and uh near the recruiting um that that LSU has so uh there was a fear that he would leave but I, I don't think it uh it affected any of the the playing at all and but you know, I knew if he would have left, he would have crushed Tennessee's program. And I think he knew that too. And um, I think he cares about this program more than anybody that's been throughout here, probably in the program's history. And I think he wants to build it. And I, I think he wants to leave a legacy that, that can't be replaced. And, and he can do that here compared to LSU because um, he can become the greatest coach uh, of Tennessee's program history. And Absolutely. I, I don't know if he can do that at LSU, maybe, but – um, it's a long road. It's he, a lot higher road to get than it it's is. It's a lot higher road, and, and I think he can, you know, make a lot of a lot of people's lives happier here. No doubt. Well, I'm gonna ask you both one last question. I'm gonna turn you over to DB. Um, just talking about the experience. Obviously, you know, uh, Jim got to be there and see you guys play. Didn't go the way you wanted it to, but obviously, it doesn't put a damper for me. Obviously. You know, for you guys, you want to win it. But the memories that you guys got out of the season, and not only for both of you guys, too, coming in the same time where you saw this program go from when you were freshmen to go through. Just kind of talk about – just recap that, you know, in a, in a minute or so. Uh, I'll start with you, Sean, on, on just what the ride has been like and, and where you see the program going from here. I mean, yeah, for sure. The Omaha experience was, was a lot of fun. Um, it obviously didn't go the way, you know, we wanted it to, like you said. Um, but I think just being there um, and being one of those top eight teams to be there was kind of a milestone for us because because of where we've been and where we've come from. Um, but I mean, it was it was a lot of fun having the fans there at the hotel waiting for us to leave to go to the games, stuff like that. And if you would have told me probably my freshman year or sophomore year that we would be an Omaha team and my senior year, I would have been like, you're nuts, man, like there's I didn't I didn't think I didn't see this coming at all but um but I mean it's been it's been a fun ride I mean it's been a grind obviously but I mean you can, we can kind of look back on it and 
and be like, yeah, we kind of, we were part of, part of history and we kind of, you know, built this to where it is now. And as far as the future goes, I mean, it's, I feel like it's just going to stay in the same place it is. Um, I mean, he's, Tony V is a, a great recruiter. Um, he's he's going to pull in a lot of good, good players. So um, I think it's only up from here. Yeah, Evan, same thing for you, man. Just talk about that experience from, from you know, from Scotts Hill High School, Lexington, Tennessee, right? Now you're in Omaha playing for the freaking Super Regionals, one of the top eight teams in the in the country. No, it was awesome. Um, you know, seeing uh, seeing where this program has, has came, it, it's hard to describe. Um, you know, obviously I wish we would have uh, put on a better showing in Omaha. I think our talent level was, um, was, was high enough to win the whole thing. Um, especially, you know, or uh, definitely compete better, you know. Um, but uh, I, I think if you if you ask us six six months from now, I think we'll say that it, it was a very successful season. But um, you know, obviously, we wish we would have put a better showing. But uh, there's actually no other team I would have rather seen win than Mississippi State. So uh, seeing that program and seeing the fan base, um, what they what they've been wanting for a long time, seeing seeing them earn that. Um, it, it was pretty cool to see that as well. So I said one more question, but I got to talk on that for a second because me and Jim talked about this during the SEC tournament. You guys get matched up against Mississippi State, and no, not not taking anything away from those guys. I like a lot of those guys, and they're a really good team. But you guys jumped out on them and ended up run ruling them. And I remember Jim telling, and I think he even said this on the Mississippi State guys. He told me then he's like, "Look, man, Tennessee's just a better team right now. They're just playing better. They're doing all and all that was true." To see those guys, to me, is it, baseball is kind of fickle, right? They just got hot at the right time right it just it just happens and I'm happy for those guys uh but man it, it just, just what a week before that 10 days before that you guys run rule them on your way to the SEC title game I mean that's that's crazy man yeah I think it shows the leadership they had you know um uh, they had some dog they needed their dogs to play well to win that whole thing and and they stepped up to the plate for sure man Bednar was something special wasn't he oh he, he was he was going stupid well, yeah, I wanted to tell you guys, and, you know, uh, Evan, if this makes you feel good, and, and Sean as well, this this was a dual purpose. Uh, I had bought my tickets strategically for y'all's game, and I did it over there in left field because I knew I'd be able to see Sean in the bullpen, and I'd be able to see you play left field. And so um, I did that. Me and my uh, my son, we had shirts made. My wife made Omaha shirts for for, for the Tennessee, his said all about that cheese. Mine said Tennessee boys got the in off the bench podcast. So, um, you know, knew, knowing that y'all were going to come on, uh, even though it didn't end the way we would have liked, uh, I thought it was still just cool because I never was able to make it out to Knoxville and watch y'all play. So I was still happy to to get to see y'all play. And then, uh, you know, like as Randy said all year, just the, you know, getting we've watched y'all all year. And it's just, it's been, it's been fun. It's been a fun ride. And then it's, you know, you brought up Mississippi State. Randy and, and Daniel were – I think they were really wanting that conflict to happen because I'm very tight with Cameron James and Cade Smith. Like I said, I watched them their whole high school career. Between the Tennessee and Mississippi State games, I actually switched shirts, fellas. I went from my, my Tennessee-made shirt to my Mississippi State-made shirt, and they kept saying, man, if those two teams end up having to play each other, what are you going to do? And I said, crawl into a hole, man, because I'm rooting for, for the guys on both teams. <laughs> And so, you know, I, I wish y'all would have made it further, but I'm also glad it didn't happen. And I stayed for the whole thing and uh and and got to got to see it. And so it was cool. Like y'all said, that team was uh they're very veteran heavy, they uh well coached, and so it was cool. But you know, 
Omaha, I thought was a great experience. I still, I still wish I would have done better, but I was still proud of you guys and to watch y'all all year get fifty plus wins and to go in there and uh, you know, at least prove that you deserve to be there. I thought, I thought was great. Not me, boys. I was all big orange all the time. Yes, sir. Yeah. Well, I'm about personal relationships, Randy. My bad, my guy. I am too. These guys are my new best friends. <laughs> yes. All right. So, uh, you know, I was going to let Daniel ask this, but he's he's going to go ahead and just do the game. So I got a quick question for each of y'all. You know, we talked about it. Um, we were actually scheduled to do the podcast Monday. We moved it to today because the draft's coming up. Um, you know, first, I, I guess I'll start with you, Evan. You know, how excited are, are you and, uh, you know, where are you going to be at? You going to be in Knoxville? You going to be at home? You know, what, what's it looking like? Yeah, I'm going to be in Knoxville. I'm going to be uh, trying to stay busy to keep my mind off of it. Um, there's no telling how it's going to go. Uh, you know, I, I do think I had the, the homers to, to get drafted decent, but my average wasn't there. But um, it's it's going to be interesting how it goes. But uh, me and Sean, we've talked about it. Whoever gets drafted first, the other one's going to be so ecstatic for the like for each other that it's uh, I'll probably I'll probably shed some tears whenever Sean Hundley gets drafted. So uh, uh, I think it's going to be cool to uh, uh, to see the hard work from from a kid that um, really wasn't talented enough to even be considered a draft guy, and uh, to see him turn into who he is now. And you know, we basically grew up together. So hopefully that we'll be able to uh, spend some time before we leave after we get drafted. So yeah, I mean that's just something that you don't get to see much you know they talked about you met you mentioned mississippi state they talked about it with rowdy jordan and, and tanner allen you and sean two guys that actually the whole career because you know we talk about like cheese and, and liam they transferred in and then some guys like you said they leave early draft out and so for you two to be able to spin the the full four together and you know you talk about roommates i mean and so it makes sense when you say that, you know, people, people say, you know, grown men crying for grown men, but I, man, when you establish a relationship and a brotherhood like that, I mean, it's meaningful. So I think that's awesome that y'all got to, uh, to do these four years together. With that being said, you know, Sean, um, you know, where are you going to be? What, what's it looking like? How excited are you? Yeah, I'm going to be, I think I'm going to go home to Mount Juliet um, before the draft happens. Um, I've been here and, you know, all sorts of different things. So I'm not really up to the whole speed of, of what exactly is going to happen. But, I mean, I'm excited. And, and like Evan said, you know, whenever he gets his opportunity, it's just going to be as, as as meaningful to me as it is to him. You know, especially since we've, you know, you know worked together for four years. Um, you know, going from, you know, being in the dorms thinking, man, we're about to get cut to potentially be playing pro ball. So um, it's kind of a, a bittersweet moment for both of us. Yeah, that's, I can only imagine, man, I'm, I'm sure, Sean, that every time, and, and Evan, you're probably the same way, every time that phone rings, you know, from Sunday to Tuesday, I'm sure you're going to be, you know, wanting to, to eagerly pick it up and, and, and figure out who it is. But, um, you know, with that, guys, I just want to thank you for the story, man. Thanks for being open, honest, and, you know, really conveying, you know, emotion and passion that you had over the the four years at Tennessee and, you know, what really culminated into an, a, a magical season for you guys, uh, despite, you know, not the end result you wanted, but it looks like you guys got a lot of big things, you know, coming up. Yeah. Thank y'all for uh, allowing us to come and 
uh, I hope we've given you some pretty cool, uh, cool moments from our, our personal and um, public life. So, yeah, well, I, pre- I appreciate you guys having us. I yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah, man, no, not a problem. But you know, we're gonna we're gonna continue to have some some personal moments here because we got a game for you guys for y'all split now. Uh, All right, it's a game that we play with every guest. I've loaded. We've had three seasons of this game, and now I've I've uploaded and loaded in some some high high pressure questions. Um, so it, it may start off a little easy, but I, I think the the trend for season three is to just no softball questions, just go hot and heavy right at you guys. So uh, the game's called this or that. It's very simple. The only rules are you can't say both, you can't say neither. You pick one of the two options. Sean, you good? Good. Evan, you good? Great. All right, Evan, I'm going to start with you, man. Who's a better fisherman, you or Sean? Sean Hunley. Sean, are you, are you going to give your boy some credit or are you, you, you going to take take this one? You, you a better fisherman for sure? I'll, I'll take myself. All right. So what makes you so good? Because Evan didn't delay. He didn't hesitate. He immediately gave you the credit. So I feel like it now that's, been out. Now that's uh, that's probably because uh, I used to uh, fish a lot in high school. I got some I got some pretty cool pictures to prove some of the pigs that I've uh, <laughs> I've accumulated over time in high school. So nice, nice. All right, so Evan, going going back to you, man. This this year is is you know I've seen the word come up a lot, uh, villain. Um, you know, would you rather be an underdog or would you rather be the villain? Um, you know what? There's there's something fun about being um, hated by by other teams. You know, and, and I don't know if there was a another fan base during the game that hated us more than South Carolina, and that was a fun atmosphere to play in. So I, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say the villain. Sean, what about you? I'm gonna I'm gonna take the different route. I'm gonna go underdog. Um, just because whenever you are the underdog and you end up coming end up coming uh, victorious, it's even it's even more worth it. I think. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the underdog route. The question I would have is why they used Evan's picture for that one um, graphic they made of the villain as opposed to Gilbert, who does the bad flips. What Evan ever do to anybody? That's what I'm saying. I, I feel like I'm kind of respectful. I, I, I give, you know, decent uh, – I never talk, you know, bad about people. So, I don't know. that. I mean, they, they made a cool picture, but they definitely should have went with the psycho hey, Gilbert. What, what I do know, guys, is that you guys won't be there, but next year when University of Tennessee plays LSU and SEC play, I guarantee you Tennessee is going to be the villain, 100%. Dude, yeah, that that's going to be a wild series. All right, Sean, let, let me let me go to you, man. Would you rather be able to teleport? Or would you rather have invincibility? I'm gonna go teleport. Where would um, where where would you go? Um, well, I I'd probably use it for more um sticky situations. I'd just teleport somewhere. Um, I mean, I don't know where I'd go. I'd go anywhere I wanted to. I guess. I mean. Off the mound if it gets dicey. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I give, up, I give up a Jimmy, I'll probably just teleport to the showers. I mean, I don't know. 
going going and hit the quick quick exit. Evan, yeah. what about what about you? No, I'm going to pick teleportation. You know, I'm not the fastest guy. If I ever felt like I wasn't going to get the first, you know, instant. There you go. Get you on base. All right. So, Evan, yeah. if you would you rather have a key that can open any door, or would you rather have a get out of jail free card? Um, your criminal enterprise, you know, Lexington police not, don't count here. Yeah, uh, get out, get out yeah, of ticket yeah, card. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's what I should have said. A, a, a get out of a ticket card. You know, I, I don't plan on doing any, any criminal activity anytime soon. So I'm going to take the key to uh, the separate doors or every door for sure. Gotcha. Sean, what about you? Yeah, I'm going to take the key that I'm going to take the key. That seems like more, um, more options, you know what I mean? I feel like in the back of y'all's head, y'all have one door in particular. You're like, yep, I'm going straight there. You know, I'm, I'm very glad that Drew Gilbert doesn't have that key because um, that, that's a way that me and Sean can kind of get away from him for a little bit and our house <laughs> is kind of locked the door. <laughs> so, yeah, but please never give that key to Drew Gilbert. He's going to pick teleportation. He's going to be right in there. Yeah, you're right. Oh, he'll he'll find a way. I promise. Gotcha. So, Sean, would you rather spend ten years in a coma or five years in jail? Oh God, that's always the tough one. That's the toughest one to me. Hey, go ahead and give me that ten year nap, bro. I'm, I'm taking. I ain't going to jail. Yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go coma because. There's some there's some stuff that can go on in jail that I'm not about. <laughs> there's so a lot. Of, gonna, there's <laughs> a lot of things that goes goes on in jail that I don't yeah, think I'm, anybody's about. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna go. I'll go coma. All right, Evan. Yeah, I, I don't I don't see me wanting to really live after my five years in jail, uh, especially <laughs> if some of the things that you hear about happens to me. So I'm gonna take that. I'm gonna take that coma. Fondo and Broadway both took jail. The the closers for Ole Miss and LSU. It was interesting. Let me expound upon that. You think that if Drew Gilbert went into jail, that he would come out as like the leader of the gang? <laughs> dude, he would come out with face tats, uh, teardrops. Would, would yeah, yeah, dude. He, he would he would probably be the the guy that gets everything in jail somehow. And the funny part is, I think he would probably be the smallest guy there. Yeah, but right. he would somehow end up being the ringleader. Hey, some some people, you know, it'll it'll age them tremendously going five years in jail. But some people might reverse and go the other way. I feel like Gilbert might be that kind of guy. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> He'd be living his best life for sure. Yeah. But uh, Evan, would you rather be able to save one person's life one time? Or would you rather know all the government secrets? The government secrets. Ooh. Yep. Yep. The government secrets. They would probably, I would probably end up dying. Um, you know, Epstein probably didn't kill himself, but <laughs> I, would, I would probably end up dying the next day. But just knowing, yeah, that would, that would be pretty cool. All right. Sean, what about you? I'm going to, I'm going to go with the save a life. Um, I'm going to take the hero route. I mean, he did Spoken take the like underdog. Yeah, he well, he also took the underdog route when Evan took the villain. So uh, I'm not surprised. You know, <laughs> some, 
Sean, sometimes it's better just not to know. You know? Yeah, you're and, right. You're you right. know, take that take that hero card and, and you can use it to your benefit and you know and, and and get the girls, get get whatever comes with it, the accolades, the money, the fame. So Yeah, I'm I'm a conspiracy like- guy though. <laughs> I, I, I want to know. You oh, know man. Did, did the did the pyramids get built by humans? You don't know. Oh, <laughs> is is the Earth round? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Last last question, guys, and this is our our question. That's our staple question we ask everybody. And Sean, I'll start with you, man. Would you rather have money or would you rather have friends? I'm gonna go friends. Can't be. You can't be. You can't be alone in life, man. You you can you can get money, but you gotta you can't. Uh, well, I guess that wouldn't make sense. <laughs> yeah, but I'm gonna, I'm, gonna go friends. I'm gonna go friends because money can only get you so far. You know what I mean? Evan, what you got? Money or friends? You know, you know, a Porsche. A Porsche does seem nice, even if no oh. one's driving or riding with you. But God, we I'm did a, just I'm become a, best friends. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's, a, there's a but. You know, if I have to go through through a, a lifetime of, of no friends for my family to have endless amount of money, yeah, I'd probably I'd probably have to do that. Yeah, I, I just sold I just I just sold Sean. I did. Dude, Randy's so excited. <laughs> uh we ask everybody that question and and i'd think that 90 percent of people do pick friends and because that's a, probably the right thing to say but i tell everybody these two guys that, that i co-host with are two of my very best friends they're like my brothers right but if somebody's trying to give me the bag i'm dropping these cats dude <laughs> if you i mean i love sean to death but if you put 50 million dollars beside sean and you said I had to pick one, and if I picked the fifty million, I never have to talk to Sean again. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Sean. We, we Sean, a good note, bro. Sean, you know what, what if you can get? Actually, it, this is this is crazy. Evan went from saying he's gonna cry for you to just selling you, man. Just, but he's the villain. He's the villain. Everyone has a price, man. Everyone has a price. Amen. You know, I, I, I probably took the friend route, but if there was fifty million in front of me. Oh yeah! Now we're talking him into it. Yeah, that that would be tough, man. Sean, not even not even fifty million. How about this? How about come Monday you be the first pick in the in the MLB draft, and if you do that, you have to you have to cut Evan loose. Smell you, Evan. Yeah, (laughs) cut me, cut me. He'd he'd understand, you know. He'd understand. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man! All right, Sean. Anything you want to plug or promote? Uh, no, I'm I'm good. Evan, what about you? Plug or promote? Um, you know, it could just be social media, so people know how to follow you. Yeah, uh, follow me and Sean on social media. Uh, we put out good content, <laughs> especially on Instagram. Um, I, I usually throw out a, a a pretty good tweet once a year. Um, so if you if you want to follow, keep up with our journey. Uh, we'll be playing b- baseball as long as we can. So. Um, yeah, join the journey of of Sean and Evan headed to the bigs. Guys, <laughs> hey, it, this has been great, man. If if there's anything that we can do for y'all, I know you're going to be busy over the next week. If you guys need us to, you know, put anything out there, plug or promote anything for you guys, 
Hell, just come back on the show and let's talk about the draft and, and what the next steps are and where you're at, where you're going. For sure. Yeah, I'd, I'd definitely be down. Thank you. Yeah. All right, everybody. You can follow Sean Hunley on Instagram at Sean underscore Hunley 32. You can follow Evan on Instagram at Evan underscore Russell four. That's pretty cute. You'll have the same setup. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, thank you so much. And if you like hearing us average shows, talk X's and O's, please like and share the podcast on Facebook. You can retweet us on Twitter, listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Anchor. As always, comments, ratings and feedback is always welcome. We'll see everyone next week for episode 18, where we're going to talk to Jacob Billingsley. We're going to be talking about his time with the Astros, his time at Mississippi State, and what it's like being the owner and operator at Base Sports Performance. This has been the In Off the Bench podcast. As always, remember, strong body, sharp minds, grit and grind all the time. We're out.